0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com.
1: How are we doing, everybody? Good. Good. to be with you guys. Welcome. If you are uh, new here, special welcome to you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Um, So you may have heard... It's Father's Day. Um, wanted to begin by um, sharing my two favorite dad jokes. Can I do that? I actually had one. I I, had, I just couldn't narrow it down to one. It was just too too hard. So I'm just going to share both of them. So first one is this. A uh, a uh, father-to-be and his wife. His wife was heavily pregnant. She went into labor. Uh, First time experience. They go to the hospital. She gets rushed off into the delivery room. After several hours, uh, the doctor comes out and meets with the husband and says, we delivered your baby. And he got this kind of panicked look on his face. And he said, I was really hoping for a baby with a liver. That's good stuff. <laughs> if that's not funny, you didn't get it. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. That's one. Uh, the other one is a uh, a drummer. Uh, a drummer and his wife gave birth to twin girls. Guess what he named them? Anna 1, Anna 2. <laughs> right. All right. See, they're dad jokes. They they don't have to be that funny. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, we love our dads and we're, you know, we've dedicated today, uh, to ministering to you guys. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, about this a lot this week and, you know, I kind of believe that it, it feels to me like it's getting harder and harder to be a good and a godly father. It's getting more difficult, I think. Our culture tells us that children actually don't need fathers, that fathers and mothers are interchangeable. Um, there seems to be, the, the culture seems to be telling us that there isn't a need for godly masculinity, and I, I don't know if you guys feel this, but I sort of feel this, and it bothers me that there seems to be sort of like this atmosphere of almost like accusation or suspicion about godly fathers. And so we're not getting much help from the culture these days. And maybe we were getting more help in the past, maybe we weren't, but I know we're not getting a whole lot of help uh, lately. But the good news for us dads and for us dads-to-be is that our playbook does not come from our culture, does it? Our playbook for being a dad comes from our Heavenly Father, and it comes from the Scripture. And I, would, I just want to begin with a challenge. And by the way, I am um, going to be speaking to all of us, and all of you will find things in our talk that will challenge you, will encourage you, will, I think, hopefully help you to love the Lord more. But I really am speaking to the men in the room today. But I, what I want us all to do is I want you to, to just... Start to read the scripture through the lens of seeing God as our father. When you read the scripture, you can read the scripture through all kinds of lenses, but one of the more powerful things to do is to read the scripture and look for the father heart of God as you read it. Because God as father is so rich in his person, so rich in his personality that you and I will never ever, Get to the bottom of plumbing the depths of the goodness and the majesty of God as our Heavenly Father. And I know that we all didn't come up with, you know, great dads. Some of us had not very good dads. Some of us were abandoned by our fathers. Some of us were hurt by our fathers. But this morning, I want to show you what a good dad we have in our Heavenly Father and what good dads do by looking at God as our Father. And I, I'll i say this, you guys, I hope, I believe that I'm a good dad. It's what I have always strived for. But my best fathering ain't nothing compared to the fathering of God, the father heart of God. In God, we have a father who he, he has shaped you in his heart From an eternity past, he knew you and lovingly wove you together eons and eons ago. He loved you before you existed, and he lovingly wove you together in your mother's womb. In God, you have a father who has given everything that he has to loving you. He's given himself to being with you, to never leaving your side. If you uh, are uh, one of those that have called him father and chosen him to be your father, you have a father who declares that you belong to him, that you have this incredible purpose in life, that your life is not a mistake, but that you were made for something special. And so this morning, you guys, I want to commend the father heart of God to you. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at his character in the pages of scripture. And if you're a father or if you endeavor to be a father someday, I want to challenge you to endeavor to be like God, our heavenly father this morning. And this will be really a goal for all of us, but particularly for us fathers. Um, And what I want to have, what I want to happen is I want the world to see the character of God through our lives lived out. But maybe even more than that, men, I want our children. To see the character of God lived out, I want our wives, our families, those closest to us, to see the character of God uh, kind of manifested in who we are. And so, the question is: Is what is God like? Who is God? What is God like? What are the characteristics of His fathering? And so, I want to begin by just declaring that of all the ways that God could ever describe Himself and the, the manifold personality of God, He chose to portray Himself to articulate Himself as Father to us. And so. When When Jesus taught us to pray, what did he say? He said this, if that, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so what we're going to do is I want to talk about what God the father is like. And I'm going to give us guys three keys to great fathering, three keys to great fathering. And again, um, everyone here will appreciate this. Everyone can grow from this. But men, if uh, just pay attention here. So here's here's the first one. Three keys to great fathering. The first one is this great fathers love when it's hard. Great fathers love when it's hard. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wrote or he didn't write this. He said this. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not the tax collectors even doing that? And if you greet only your own people, um, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, as I read that, do you hear the fathering character trait of God in those verses? Do you hear it? Do you see where it is? Verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. That's, that's a heavy start, right? We're gonna just dive into the deep end here, you guys. Godly fathers love when it's difficult, and specifically as children of God who are made in the image of the Father, we are called to love people. Now, I don't know, do, does anybody here have any enemies? Anybody, you got some enemies in the world? When I was in junior high, I had all kinds of enemies, right? I, I, they're, I don't know where they are. I seem to have fewer enemies these days, but I do have people in my life that occasionally act like an enemy, And we dads are called to love the person standing in front of us, even when they don't deserve our love, even when we feel like they are acting like our enemy. This is when our faith gets real. This is when our heart and our character actually gets revealed in us as godly fathers Here's the call. We are called to give kindness in exchange for unkindness. We are called to give grace in the face of disobedience. We're called to give honor in response to disrespect, consideration when we are overlooked or underappreciated. This is the hard call that is on our lives. But if you are a children of God, is this not how God loves us. Is this not how God deals with us? And so for us guys, when we are operating in our families, in our marriages with our kids, I believe that the question is always going to be who will love first, who will love first. And I want to tell you when Molly and I get into it at home, when we have our fights, which we have, it almost always comes down to who's going to love first. Who's going to honor first. Who's going to ask for forgiveness first. That's what it always seems to boil down to. And dads, love first is the hallmark of the character and the action of God towards all of us. It is the entire story of the scripture. And we, I believe, uniquely are called to do no less than what the father has done in loving first, in loving our kids first, our wives first, and then outwardly in concentric circles um, and I know, you guys, that this is a really big ask, that this is a challenge. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you could do this, you're perfect. You're perfect, right? So this is no small thing. And I'll be honest, if I were to be really, really honest with you guys in my own role as father, um, I have come into situations with Molly. I've come into situations with my kids where I knew exactly what I was called to do. I knew exactly who I was called to be. I knew the character of God. I knew what the scripture said. I knew I had all of the information, but in the crucible of that moment, in the crucible of that moment of disrespect or that moment of disobedience or that moment of, you know, just being disregarded or whatever it is, there have been so many times in my life where I literally was unable to deliver on the love that I was supposed to give. I knew I had all the information and I just couldn't do it. And the reason is, is that I just hadn't, I hadn't worked on it enough. I hadn't put enough reps in. I wanted to, but I failed in that moment. And I want to encourage us guys to begin to put in reps at loving first towards our family. And I know that this is really where it begins. And, you know, after we, and here's, here's what I would just encourage men. I think that many of us need to pray a prayer of repentance because we have not done the godly fathering thing. We have not declared that our role, our responsibility, the call on our lives is to love first. And so some of us may need to go to God and say, Lord, forgive me and Lord, give me the strength. But I believe you guys that simply realizing and accepting this godly mandate to love first, that that will break so many things off of us. And there, that will put us light years ahead of most fathers in the world, of most husbands in the world. If we can just simply receive the mantle and the responsibility of saying, I know for sure that no matter what this person in front of me is saying, no matter what this person in front of me is doing, I know that I'm called to love first. To love when it's hard. I know that, and if I ever fail at that, I know that I've failed, and I'll I'll repent of that, and I'll keep working at it. If we can just negotiate that in our hearts, we'll be light years ahead, man, I promise you that. And I just want to ha- ask you to imagine for a second, just imagine what loving first could do in the heart of your family. What would this do in the heart of your kids, in the heart of your spouse, if you put a stake down and you said, I am made to love you first, no matter what you say, no matter how you act. Can you imagine how your kids' hearts would be healed? Can you imagine how your spouse would be edified? All the different things that the Lord would do in their lives if you simply made that declaration that I I'll love you first, no matter what. God will do amazing things. And so like God, our father, great human fathers love when it's hard. They love first. Secondly, great fathers speak blessing into the identity of their kids. Great human fathers, just like God, our father, they speak blessing into the identity of their kids. And to a large degree, now listen to this, to a large degree, I believe that I can make the case that we can actually speak our kids' identity into being. That what we say will form them and shape them, whether for good or for bad. Now, have you guys ever noticed how you can't unhear things and sometimes you wish that you could unhear that thing? Like, I'll just give you an example. If Has anybody ever said something like, hey, have you ever noticed how when that person eats, They make this weird groaning sound. Like, have you ever noticed how they do that? And I'd be like, no, I've never noticed that. But from that moment on, every time I'm with them and they're eating all I can hear is, right? You just, you can't take that back, right? It's not possible. That is the power of words over us. When we speak things, there's power, especially when we speak things directly to people. Our words have incredible impact on people. I'll give you a positive example of this. Um, there is a minor character in the biography of Kevin Kiefer, uh, a guy named Buster Dunsmore. So Buster Dunsmore uh, was an assistant tennis coach back when I I was in college at um, West Lafayette High School's girls tennis team, and I had got hired to, uh, to coach this team, and I was kind of nervous about it because this was all like the professor's kids, so it was kind of a rich school, and these girls were hoity-toity, and the program was really, really good and things like that, and so I was like nervous about this job, and on the first day, we had all the parents and all the students get together to launch the season, and on that day... Buster Dunsmore, uh, who is like, he was probably 15 years older than I am. He said to the kids and to the parents, you guys are super lucky. To get Kevin as your coach, you really need to listen to him. He is awesome, and we're going to have a great season because we have this great coach, right? And in that moment of fear, in that mer- moment of nervousness, when Buster sort of said, Listen to Kevin, you guys are blessed to have him, it changed something in my heart. And instead of being afraid, I just got all, I got peaceful, I got confident, and again, I haven't heard from, talked to, Buster is a minor guy in my life, but his words spoken over me changed me. I'll never forget those things, right? And we all, to some large degree, we are the product of the messages that have spoke been spoken over us, and I don't know that we fully appreciate the power of the tongue. Now, everybody, stick out your tongue at me. I want to see your tongue. Stick them out. Everybody, stick those tongues out. Come on, you can do that. All right, that was really weird. (laughs) Let's not do that again. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 18 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that's why Paul wrote this in Ephesians 4. He said, don't let any, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You see, our words, church, our words, fathers, our words, men have the power, incredible power to build up and strengthen in remarkable ways the way that Buster's words strengthen me. But our words can also be a jackhammer of destruction at the same time, demolishing hearts and demolishing spirits. And that is never more true than it is in relationship to our kids. Dads, your words to your kids have unbelievable power megaton power. And so we need to use our tongues. Well, we own tongues and those of us that have tongues have a great responsibility. And so how did the father, how did the heavenly father use his voice as he spoke over his son, Jesus in the gospels? Well, before we get to the times when God spoke over Jesus, what I want to do is I want to remind you of something that we don't pay much attention to around here. And that is that Jesus was completely and fully human that he was as much human as he was God. He felt everything that we do. He was, he had all the, the experiences of emotions that every one of us guys have ever experienced. Fear, nervousness, anxiety, sadness. All of those things were a part of Jesus' life experience because he was completely human with the exception of sin, right? He was, the only thing that made him different is that he was without sin. And so as I tell you uh, what God spoke over him, which I know some of you guys know, I want you to understand the human side of Jesus, right? And so God, as far as I could tell, only spoke audibly two times during the course of Jesus's life over him. And the first one is found in Matthew chapter three. And it says this, this is right after Jesus was baptized. And it says in a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him, I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love and with Excuse me, with him, I am well pleased. And then the second time God spoke is found in Luke chapter 9. And here God says this. It says, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. This is powerful. And I, what I did is I mashed these two statements up. And if you mash these two de- declarations of God over his son, Jesus, here's what you get. You are mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. I have chosen you world. Listen to him. You are mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. I have chosen you world. Listen to him. Those were the words that the heavenly father spoke over his very, very human son, Jesus. And I just want to ask you, dads, what would happen in the hearts of your kids if that became the declaration uh, that you pour into them over the course of their lives? Every day, you are mine. I love you. I am proud of you. I have chosen you. World, listen to him. Listen to her. What could happen in the hearts of our kids? What could happen? And I, I, I understand fully. I'm 53 years old. My kids are 18, 20, and 22. And I know you guys that a lot of life happens. There is a lot of ups and downs to parenting kids, right? There are times when your kids will make you proud and there are times when your kids will embarrass you. They may even make you ashamed. There are times when your kids will make you feel so joyful and there's going to be times when your kids make you feel afraid for them. There's times when they make you smile and there's times where they utterly, utterly disappoint you. But through all of that, what would it do in the heart of your kids if your unchanging message to them through all of it was you were mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. I have chosen you world. Listen to this little one. You have something to offer. You are important. There's a call on your life. What could be healed in the heart of our kids? What could be formed in them? What strength or comfort could be deposited into their life? If that was the unchanging declaration that we dads spoke over the lives of our kids. But maybe more importantly than that, what could be formed in our own hearts if we learn to love the way that God loves? What could, what could change in us? Could we be, could we become a people that love the way that God loves by just speaking those words and pressing those words into our kids, regardless of what they show up with, regardless of whether they're on an upswing or a downswing? And so good fathers, we speak blessing and value and love into the identity of our children. Number three, last one is this. Good fathers are the quicker picker uppers. We're the quicker picker uppers, right? Does anybody know who the brawny man is? Right? So the brawny man is the quicker picker upper. Now, Actually, unfortunately, I thought the brawny man was the quicker picker-upper, and it turns out that bounty paper towels are the quicker picker-upper, but for our purposes today, the brawny man is the quicker picker-upper. You're going to have to work with me on this, right? So what does brawny mean? Brawny means to be strong and powerful and to have well-developed muscles. Brawny is strong and powerful and well-developed muscles. And it takes a good father, a brawny man to be a quicker picker upper. Now, what is a quicker picker upper? It's a person who restores relationship and restores the heart of others when they've fallen, when they've messed up, and even when their fall or the betrayal is a betrayal of us. You guys, does that make sense to you guys? Jesus was a brawny man, right? He was a quicker picker upper because he brought restoration to each of us. Well, before we deserved it, he became our restorer in our relationship. When we were enemies of his, when we were so far from him, when we least deserved it. And probably my favorite story that illustrates this is the interaction that, that uh, Jesus had with Peter just before uh, and just after Jesus was crucified. So of course, Peter was sort of the chief apostle. He was the leader of the, of the 12 and excuse me. And I'm going to hold on one sec. And, um, just before Jesus was about to be arrested, he was preparing the guys, he was preparing the disciples to, um, to just get ready for what was about to happen, right? So he's telling, Hey guys, I'm going to be, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified, but don't worry. You know, I'll raise again, all that stuff. And in the midst of this, this kind of pep talk with the disciples, uh, the guys are like, Jesus, don't worry about it. We are with you all the way, 100%. We'll never leave your side. And Peter was the loudest of the whole group, right? And Jesus, like, totally rains on Peter's parade, and he says this, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fall or fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Peter replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And you probably know the rest of the story. Jesus gets arrested. Someone notices that Peter was one of the guys with him. They accuse him. They say you were with him. And Peter denies Jesus outright three times, even cursing him. And this was absolutely the low point of Peter's life. This was the culmination of three years of being the leader of these apostles, three years of bravado, three years of great exploits. And in one moment, it all came crashing down. It just ended in complete failure. And who was the victim of Peter's failure. It was Jesus, right? He abandoned his best friend. The very human Jesus that we were referring to was completely abandoned by all the apostles, but especially by Peter. Jesus's hurt must have been colossal, but Jesus was a brawny man. He was a quicker picker upper. And so after Jesus was uh, arrested, after he was tortured, after he was crucified and resurrected, When he came back from the grave, do you know what was one of his most important orders of business? The most important thing that he really wanted to do personally when he came back? It was to restore Peter. He came back to restore the heart of his uh, his son, to pick him up when he'd fallen. Even though Jesus was his victim, the victim of his betrayal. And so in John 21, we read this. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And so after Peter's betrayal of Jesus, when he was steeped in guilt and shame and doubt about himself, Jesus took Peter by the shoulders. He looked him in the eye and he said, I still love you, Peter. Don't forget who you are. There is still a call on your life. Jesus was the quicker picker upper. He restored Peter immediately because he was a brawny man. And we dads, we have the privilege, the privilege and the call to join Jesus, to be brawny men, to be quicker picker uppers, to be people that restore relationship even before the fall happens, even before the betrayal happens. Men, you guys need to work in your hearts, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to work in your hearts so that your heart is prepared to restore relationship and to restore connection even before the betrayal happens. And I, I, I just want to challenge us because I think this is very hard. Um, specifically because of the issue of anger. I think that many of us guys struggle with anger and frustration and because we do and when we give into our anger we abdicate our identity as fathers and we ask the person in front of us whether they're 6 years old or 16 years old or 26 years old that they would take care of us that they would actually become father to us that they would be the quicker picker upper and make us feel better and restore us and you see men when we give into our anger we're no longer acting as fathers act we're acting like children in that point. And so I want to encourage us to pursue our healing, to pursue the father heart of God so that we can love the way that he loves, so that we can love our kids, so we can love our wives, so we can love everyone that we meet. And so how do we get our hearts healed of that stuff? Well, that's a, that's a process, but I know one thing that'll help. Some of us will need to go to the father. And invite him and ask him to speak his words over our hearts, to open our heart and say, would you speak over me, Father? And you know what? The Father will speak to you guys. And this is a message for you right now. I want you to hear this. The Father God is saying to you, you are mine. I'm proud of you. I love you. I have chosen you. Listen to this guy, world. He's got something to say. Now, I know, dads, that I have given you a lot to think about. The bar is high. It's perfection. Jesus said, be perfect. But we're just in process. And I want to encourage you to just lean into these things. And I just want to tell you guys that I am thankful for you. And I know nearly every guy in this church right now, and those of you guys that that are fathers, um, I just am so proud of you and you guys are heroes to me. And I actually am like taking notes in my own book about your fathering. even some of you young guys, I look at the way that you love it on your kids and it makes me want to be more like you. I'm proud of you. And so I'm going to wrap up with this. Um, pastor Crawford Laritz said this, all we have to give to the next generation is who we will become. All we have to, the, to give to the next generation is who we will become. And so let's go to the Lord, men. Let's receive his fatherly love. Let's live out his fathering example and watch um, what God does in the hearts of our kids, in the hearts of our family, in the hearts of people around us. And so here are my three points. And then we're going we're gonna to pray over this together. Love first, men. Love first. Speak blessing and be a quicker picker-upper. Love first, speak blessing, and be a quicker picker-upper. Amen? Why don't we stand up? We're going to pray. If you're new here, we we kind of always... um, we wrap up our service. We kind of do our our thing and our chatting, um, but we we always want to give God a chance to to minister to our hearts, to speak to us, and so um, we're going to do that right now. And here's what I would encourage us to do: we're just going to kind of quiet our hearts, give our give our hearts to the Lord, and uh, and this is for all of us. But I would just encourage you to consider um, what we talked about, and for some of you. This love first thing, this thing of like loving when it's hard, you felt like you have failed at that. You felt like you just aren't able to do that, um, that that's been a real struggle for you to to just take up that responsibility. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, there are some here and the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to teach you how to love first. I'm going to heal your heart so you can love before anybody loves you. There might be others of us in the room and um, we haven't. We've we just felt like we haven't spoken into the lives of the people that are most important to us. We haven't spoken that blessing. We haven't spoken that identity. We haven't echoed the words of the Father often enough. And there's going to be an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to just edify you and strengthen you and give you a vision for speaking blessing into the lives of your kids, into the lives of your spouses or anybody that's important to you. And this last bit, being a quicker picker-upper, has a lot to do with Forgiveness being quick to forgive, being quick to restore. And I know that there are some of us in here that we just have a hard time forgiving quickly. We carry burdens on our our, our shoulders we just have a hard time letting go. And the Holy Spirit wants to set you free of that. So let's just pray. I'm so amazed and thankful, God, that you are Father all of us to any of us that would want you to be father for any of us that would turn to you and say would you be mine you say come in be a part of my family and I just specifically speak a father's blessing over the men the young men the old men and everyone in between I speak blessing over these men this morning I speak the father's heart over you He's proud of you. He loves you. He's got a call on your life. He calls you his own. And so, Lord, I pray that where there's hardness of heart or bitterness, I pray that you would both forgive us and heal us of that. Where um, our mouths have gotten stopped up, where we haven 't spoken into our hearts or into the uh, into the hearts or identities of our kids, I pray that you would loose our tongue, that we would just speak blessing all the time over our kids, and that it would shape them, that it would form them, that it would heal them and restore them and Lord jesus i just I pray for us guys in particular that where anger. And bitterness from from a, a long time ago has kept us from being quick to restore and kept us from being quick to forgive. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And we ask for grace to just pour out on us and through us that we would become truly quicker picker-uppers, Lord. Holy Spirit, just minister to our hearts right now. I just kind of saw the word condemnation, and um, the Lord wants to remind you that there is no condemnation, no condemnation for those of you guys that are in Christ Jesus. You are not condemned. You are honored and esteemed and loved by God. You're free from condemnation. You're free from accusation. God says, you're my son. I'm pleased with you.
0: morning while I was brushing my teeth, I got a prophetic word. So, first lesson in prophetic ministry, brush your teeth. But I didn't know who it was for, and then Kevin started talking about loving your enemies, and I realized, oh, it's for us. Um, But I I feel like it is for certain people more than others, because you're already operating this way. The picture, or the first word, it was counterbalance. And I feel like our, our society, and a lot of areas in our lives a lot of levels it's like the assumption is we're on a teeter-totter right there's our side and there's their side and we're trying to it's competitive teeter-tottering right we want our side to win and their side to lose and a lot of people are concentrating on their side winning by focusing on how good their side and there's a whole lot of energy going into focusing on how bad the other side is in order to win this teeter-totter contest but the, the image is not of a binary teeter-totter. The image, uh, I believe, the Holy Spirit is giving is a picture of bowling ball with a very sturdy square of plywood on top. It's not just this way. It's this way and this way. And, and I feel like there's some of you that, that already know this in your life, that there's this project of trying to balance other people and their interests because like it or not even in politics the people on the other side actually have interests they have legitimate interests they may not be going about the way that makes the most sense but love your enemies and assume that they have interests but it's not as easy as just my side your side there's a lot to this it's 360 degrees Uh, Ryan, I think you do this at work. This is something that is part of your nature. You're already working on this, and it's a struggle. Because you've got people on all sides that are insisting that you hear theirs and and balance their direction. But there's more than just two directions, and you're, you're doing it already. Kevin, you're somebody who does this. You already have this working in your life, and you know the challenge of it. And for you guys... I, it's not just guys either. I think Kirsten. I think you. You do this naturally. That you. You sort of gravitate toward places where this is required. Actually, um, a peacemaker that's you know extraordinary. And Ali, I think this is in your future. I think you're going to do this more and more. Uh, you're you're made for it. The good news is, the person on top of the board balancing it, it's not you. It's Jesus. And your choice is where are you going to be in this? Are you going to be on one of the corners? Are you going to be on one of the sides? Or are you going to be with Jesus? He does the balancing. You don't have to make it happen. But be with him. Be on his side. Because his side is all the sides. And he's the one who can make it balance. He can protect the interests of everybody involved. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. You've given us the ministry of peacemaking. Uh, Heal us, Lord, where we've been traumatized by trying to make peace between people that really don't have any other interests besides their own in mind. I, I speak blessing over that trauma, that healing, restoration frustration for a false sense of guilt that, yeah, I just didn't do it, I didn't take care of everybody. Uh, Lord, we surrender to you the job of taking care of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I bless Kevin, I bless Molly, I bless the leadership of this church to know that Jesus is taking care of everybody. We're on Jesus' side in this And he's going to take care of it. I I just release that truth to live in our hearts and minds. And I bless everybody in this room because we all have some way in which we can uh, carry this out. Uh, There's a lot of competing interests in our lives. Help us to find your balance, Jesus. Amen.